Hi, this is Carrie Han, Newt from Aliens, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. The episode mostly comes at night. Mostly. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, and Mike, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. I just want to thank everyone who's been listening, all our fans, supporters. Y'all are awesome. We've had a great new year, and it's all because of you, all because of you great listeners. And honestly, we're all humbled, and we really appreciate it. Tonight, we kind of got a little bit of a combo episode. We have a really special guest with us. We're going to do a quick interview, and we're going to review the 1999 Takashi Miike Japanese horror film, Audition. Go ahead and introduce yourself to us. Hi, guys. What's up? Um, thank you. First, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm super excited for uh, your guys' episode on this film. Um, so for those of your listeners who don't know who I am, my name is Crystal. I am the host of the Horror Nights in Podcast. Um, so I got into podcasting about two years ago, uh, and I started Horror Nights in October of 2018. Uh, I've always loved horror, and I also didn't have a ton of friends, local friends, who were into the genre. I started listening to horror podcasts, and was like, hey, I can do that too, and I pretty much just hit the ground running, started researching how to start, um, and at the same time started my Twitter, and then I moved into YouTube um, and a few other platforms, and have been going strong ever since. Hey, it's funny that you say that because that's kind of the same journey that I ended up having. Like around October of 2018, mostly because of the release of the new Halloween movie, where you just – I was watching every little thing and listening to every little thing I could get my hands on about horror and that movie. And then you know, a few, year, you know, a few months down the road, I'm like, I could do this. Like, mm-hmm. And then you know, I, mo- I met these guys on Twitter. You know, it's kind of the same way you start getting involved in the horror community. So it's kind of the same route. For me over here, you just like, I could do the same thing. And so that's exactly it seems like everybody's kind of got that same journey, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I listened to podcasts for a long time, right? but I actually didn't know there was a niche for horror podcast reviews. I kind of was just like, I didn't know that people did this. And I listened to um, some of the bigger ones like uh, Nightmare on Film Street, things right. like that. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. Obviously, I do my show by myself, um, but I've had I, – I just I, – I feel like I'm able to really capture the genre in a way that um, might be a little bit different um, from other people. Just because if you're not familiar with my show, for those of you who are listening, I like to watch a horror film and really delve into the mental health of the film, uh, especially because a lot of horror films like to mess with your mind, um, especially, it's funny because this film, I think, really delves into a lot of mental health because obviously the um, the main character 
Um, the ballet dancer, she obviously has a lot of mental health issues. Um, so that's what I really, um, like to do on my show is sort of take the character, the main characters of the film and really see what makes them do what they do and why they do those things. Um, so that's why I was really excited when you guys picked this film and I did research on it. And then when I finally watched it, um, I was like, okay, this is going to be cool because it fits into everything that I do as well. Awesome, awesome. Go ahead, Nico. All right, uh, I, this is the first question we've got for you. You know, what got you into horror? What was your first memory of horror? So it's funny, I was listening to some of your earlier episodes and how oh each... <laughs> how each... <laughs> Each, each of you were influenced by somebody that was close to you, like your grandmother, your babysitter, um, things like that. And I thought that was interesting because my mom actually introduced me to horror. And the first horror film I ever watched, I was eight years old, and it was Candyman. And oh, it's... Jesus Christ. It's, exactly it scarred me because i was so scared of bees and mirrors for a long time um but then i realized um as i got older that horror is something that can be created from your mind and also things that are going on around you and i always felt that horror was the only only genre that really captured me for an entire film so of course there's different genres out there that I respect but horror I feel like I can watch it and I'm not distracted by anything and I feel like that's something to be said considering the amount of um you know distractions that everybody has in their daily basis whether it be their life a cell phone social media um So when I watch a horror film, I really feel like I can just focus on the horror film because there's so many emotions going on as you're watching it because you're trying to figure out what's going on, who are these people, and then it it heightens your your senses and your emotions. And I really feel like when I watch a horror film, I can just watch the film instead of being distracted by anything else. And I think that's something that's really important, especially now with how the world is um, currently and how um, even before, you know, things started burning down around us. um, (laughs) I really, I really feel like horror films were sort of an escape from your reality. Um, And I really don't think you can say that for many other genres. Action is good. It's fun. It gets your heart beating, you know, Um, you know, comedies are funny, but at the same time, horror is something that's completely different. And I think it triggers all of those emotions, which is why horror films are so important to me is because you can kind of take a break from whatever it is that you're feeling or going through, whether it be good or bad. Right. Um, and I've really stuck with that for a long time. Um, so I think that's why horror is so important to me and why um, it's a big part of my life. Well, that's awesome. Um, so I know from your podcast, you've uh, you've you've been on record on what your favorite uh, horror movie was, and it's not any of these three franchises. So let me <laughs> let me just ask if if you had to pick um, your favorite film or franchise or both in the uh, the main three: Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the Thirteenth, what would you choose? Well, it would have to be Halloween 
Thank um, you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween, I of course respect the other two, um, but Halloween um, was one of the earlier, the 1978 version was one of the earlier horror films that I had ever seen. Um, there's something about Michael Myers that has always intrigued me more. Of course, I respect Freddy Krueger. Um, I respect, you know, but there's just something about a Halloween film that if you watch it or if I watch it, there's really I, I really do think that it's it's perfect. And I and I respect all the remakes and the sequels. And I really have nothing negative to say about Halloween. Um, if you know, I have obviously, well, I had to take it all down because I'm moving. But in my horror room, my office, my podcast room, mm -hmm. um, the first thing you see when you walked in was my movie poster for the original Halloween because I feel like it's the most important film of them all. Not that the other ones aren't great. Not that I don't love the other ones. Um, it's funny because I was actually, um, my birthday falls on Friday the 13th. And of course my name is Crystal. So you would think that <laughs> I would like, <laughs> you would think that I would prefer Jason Voorhees over the latter, but I don't know. There's something about Michael Myers and Halloween and the babysitter that has always just intrigued me the most. So I have to say Halloween. Awesome. You, you kind of took the words out of my mouth because that's really the reason that I enjoy it the most. It's, it sets a different mood and atmosphere and tone than the other two. It doesn't mean that I don't love those other two and respect those other two. But something about like that Halloween, that fall mood, that – you know, yeah. the kind of mindset it gets me in is just a completely different feeling than I get watching the other two. So yeah. speaking of the – and by the way, I know you're – one of your favorite horror movies is Scream, which I really, really appreciate about that. Uh, yes. One of my favorites as well. So – but right here, while we're ahead, our logo is the three main slashers. So if you – well, we already know you're number one. So right behind mm. that, what would you put two and three? Um, from the ones that you asked or just yes. in general? Well, actually, let's go. Well, let's go both. Then. <laughs> um, so so we'll start with the ones that you said. So the second one would probably be Nightmare on Elm Street, just because Freddy Krueger is an amazing character right. um, that I've respected and loved for so long. Um, and number three would probably be Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees, just because I, I want to say... Um, I I like Jason Voorhees. I like the idea of, you know, his his, his uh, backstory. I love any – the thing is, my favorite kind of horror film is always just a bunch of stupid teenagers going into the woods or going out somewhere thinking that they're just going to, you know, go smoke weed and just have fun. And then all of a sudden there's a mass killer on the loose. Um, I really find that that intrigues me the most. And I, obviously that's 100% Jason Voorhees. Um, but the idea of uh, Freddy Krueger is also very scary. So, and I just, I love his character. And I feel like a lot of people, of course, love his character. Um, so definitely Nightmare on Elm Street would have to be... Um, number two the original i'm not and that's the thing too another reason why halloween ranks so high is because i've enjoyed the sequels over uh nightmare on elm street yeah. and um jason because um i've watched the sequels of jason and they're just they're just they just make jason look like he's 
not as cool as he is. They kind of make it into a joke. And I feel like they've always kept Michael Myers as this really cool badass. And I just feel like with some of the sequels for Jason or for Friday the 13th, they just didn't make him look as cool as he is. They sort of took away from his glory. And now Friday the 13th remake from 2009 was is one of my favorite films ever. Yes, yes. Um, yes. It is, it is my favorite horror movie ever. Love it. And and I really was surprised when I watched it because I said they really went back to the roots of who Jason is and how he is this ultimate badass versus like Jason goes to Manhattan or something, which is <laughs> horrible. It's so bad. And I really feel like another thing, too, with um, with. Nightmare on Elm Street. They had, they did keep Freddy cool, but then when they did the remake of it, they, he, it was a completely different kind of character. So I like to look at those, the you know, the most iconic horror films as them as a whole, not just their originator. Right. Um, so that's why Halloween ranked number one for me, um, and number two would be Nightmare on Elm Street because they took away from who the iconic Freddy is. Freddy is not only a child murderer who comes to you in your dreams, but he's also a manipulator. He messes with your mind. Right. Um, and, but then when they did the remake, you know, back in oh, however many months ago, gosh. it just completely destroyed the image of Freddy Krueger for so many horror fans. And I know a lot of people were disappointed in that film. Um, and then also, I don't want to say that Freddy versus Jason was a bad movie, I did like what they what they did with it, but it still, once again, took away from the glory of each of the iconic uh, characters in the film. Um, but I am glad that they did do Redemption, especially after Jason X, which was a horrible movie. <laughs> um, so I'm really glad that they were able to bring back Jason Voorhees in 2009 and make him the way that he should have been represented from the beginning. So... I just watched all those movies in a row because we've been, you know, stuck inside and it was Friday the 13th and I decided to yeah. just say, screw it, and I'm going to watch all these films in succession over two days. So I completely get what you're saying. I, But I love that 09. I'm glad you gave it the love it deserves. Oh, I, I really do enjoy it. Um, I've also I'm a, have been a fan of Supernatural over the years, so seeing Jared Pedlucky as one of the, the main protagonists was also very <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm really happy that they did that. Um, and it's actually on Netflix right now. I watched it on Friday the 13th because, um, as much as I love the original with Pamela Voorhees, it's, there's something about the 2009 version that just is great for me. So, and the opening scene of, of that film is just amazing. Like right off the bat, you get like this 15 minute, 15 minute intro of Jason Voorhees just being who he's supposed to be at Camp Crystal Lake. So Nico and I actually met Derek Mears a, a few weeks ago. And I mean, oh, nice. I think Nico's, Nico said the same thing. Like he is just the nicest guy we've ever, I've, I've ever met as far as a celebrity goes. And they talk about that in the DVD commentary too. Like he's just the nicest guy on set ever. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that he is really nice. Um, so I think your other question was, um, my favorite horror. Do you want to do like my top three favorite horror films of all time? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, knock it back. Hey, before you do that, though, we're gonna do another episode down the road where we discuss these slashers. But I'm not gonna steal from audition. 
But uh, I got I got a debate I got a debate you on the Halloween stuff down the road. But go ahead. Yeah, absolutely for sure. That'd be fun. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So my favorite horror. Oh God, it, I feel like it changes. I feel like asking a horror fan what their favorite horror film is like deciding who your favorite child is or something. Because I feel like it always changes. Very true. Very true. Um, so my favorite horror film number one of all time for many years was House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, as I started to delve more into the genre and do more research on things, it shifted between Scream. And Halloween. Yeah, um, there we go. So I'd have I'd have to say probably it's I really had to keep House of Thousand Corpses as number one, but number two it always flip flops depending. I in this moment right now I'd probably have to say Scream is number two, the original, and then number three would probably be Halloween. Um, so I don't know. Scream is always I feel like I. I feel like I revisited Scream this past, uh, the last few months, and um, I think it's just changed how I watch the film, and I, I don't know what changed it. I think it was just, I was looking for things to cosplay for different things that I do on my social media platform, so I do a ton of research, and I don't know, just the idea of the psychological thriller behind Scream is something that's super interesting to me. And of course, Halloween, because it's Halloween. So, and House of Thousand Corpses is, was probably the first horror film I watched that triggered me (laughs) into really fully immersing myself into the horror world when I was, uh, I think I was 22 years old when I watched House of Thousand Corpses. And I think it was the first film that, really made me be like okay i love this genre what else can i watch wow yeah that's well, awesome. i feel you on that same thing with unfortunately it had to be rob zombie's halloween 2007 but still yeah at least, I, at least i love the genre that's all yeah, that matters yeah a lot of people didn't like his remakes but for me and i will say this because i've said it since the beginning of my podcast and i'll say it till the last day that i am on this earth that i really feel rob zombie can't do anything wrong <laughs> oh <laughs> no wow well, oh, we did, no. did agree on everything until just then brian said you ruined that's the okay. right there but that's okay but that's you okay. know it's just how i feel i How's love it I love his music. I love his films. I'm not going to say that every single film he's made is great because I've watched not. a few that I'm not a fan mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. But everything that he has tried to do over the years for horror is something that I think is very positive. So I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, it's it's scream or horror movie to you. And I know it is because that's one of your favorites. It is, but uh, but then again, as I touched on before, it's more of a psychological thriller because it takes a community, a normal, quiet little community, and it puts the spin of, of murder on it. And I think that's what's really – what you really want to get down to is Scream is a horror film, of course, because it has gore, it has blood, it has murder. But it's, it's about a group of teenagers who have been – jaded who have been um who have whose childhood was taken away by you know adults being promiscuous and it makes it's it's almost i want to say it's almost a mystery as well because you don't know who the killer is until the last few scenes of the film um so i want to say it's more of a psychological mystery thriller 
it's more of it's a horror as a genre, but as a subgenre, I feel right. like it's a psychological thriller um, because it's going into the mind frame of these teenagers and seeing how they deal with what's going on in their lives. Of course, with Billy Loomis, we know that his childhood was ripped away because his, you know, his father slept with, with Sidney Prescott's mother and um, made the mother leave and things like that, you know, or made the father leave. And it's just it's it's so crazy how extreme it got and how the manipulation of young minds um, can be turned. Billy Loomis was able to manipulate his friend into helping right. him kill someone because the friend was bored. And I think that's <laughs> I'm something. I'm glad you really, said that. Yeah. That's really, yeah. that's a great point. Great point. Yeah. So I think that it really delves more because horror obviously is like, okay, the, you're being stalked, you're being murdered, you're being kidnapped, et cetera, whatever. But Scream was able to capture more of that. And when you're watching the film, you have to keep constantly reminding yourself that these kids, they're juniors, seniors in high school. So they're 16, 17, 18 years old. And the way that they are using the experience, the traumatic experience of their lives to manipulate and murder people, um, which is why I said it's a horror, but subgenrely it is psychological. So which I, I, I there's so many layers to it. And I love it so much because they don't ignore the fact that horror movies exist in the real world. Like Dave, they, they uh, like, that's, you know, that plays a huge part in that movie and they don't ignore that, that, Oh, we've seen this before in movies, but it's happening to them in real life. Like that. I've always loved that layer of that movie. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You're able to, they, they took mainstream horror and they played into the film of what was going on around them. And um, it's Halloween did that too, a little bit with Halloween H2O, um, when they actually had the two girls when they were in their in their room and they were watching, I believe right. they were watching Scream 2. Yes. Um, which is funny because in the original Halloween, they're watching, um, I forget what they were watching. Oh man, I forgot. Yeah, you know, they were, was, they were, well, they were watching Halloween, but so it's funny that the universes collided because they were each watching. So in the Halloween world, um, you know, this Halloween or in the scream world, Halloween existed and in right. Halloween, you know, scream existed. So the two universes collided. It's a quick little clip, but anybody who likes horror films when you're watching Halloween H2O, right. you're like, Oh my God, they're watching the, they're watching, you know, the film. Right. So right. Um, yeah, so, but, and like I said, as I was starting the last few months, starting to really get into Scream more, especially with the, with the mental health awareness and everything that I try to impose into my show, um, you realize that these kids just had very, very traumatic childhoods and how they're using it. And Sydney did too. I mean, her mother was murdered. Right. So, and she's obviously the conqueror at the end and used it to her advantage versus Billy Loomis and everybody else and all the sequels who have just been out for murder, revenge, and jealousy. So, All right. Okay, so uh, I'm going to ask everybody right now. Uh, we'll go in order. Brian, I'm going to start you off. Uh, what's your general <laughs> thoughts on this uh, this movie we just, uh, we're going to review, The Audition 1999? Oh, boy. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so th this might come off a little bit harsh, but, you know, I mean, first of all, I know this. I, I understand that this movie has a cult following. Um, I'm just personally not in that cult at all. 
Um, and that's that's pretty much being nice. I mean, in my opinion, I'm I've I was hard pressed doing this review. It's, I took the least amount of notes on it. I'm hard pressed to find a single redeeming quality that I actually liked about this movie. Honestly, um, this just isn't my thing. I mean, um, I honestly pretty much hated every aspect of it. I hated the cinematography. <laughs> Uh, I hate, I mean, the, the, the acting to me was terrible. The nearly non-existent soundtrack to me was terrible. And, you know, I mean, I, I didn't say anything about, notice I didn't say anything about the subtitles because I mean, I respect that. I can get past that. Yeah, I've seen didn't bother plenty me of all. subtitle movies that didn't really bother me besides taking notes. It just made it a little bit harder, but because I had to read and take notes. But, you know, other than that, I mean, I didn't have a problem with the, with the subtitles part, but I mean, I, I'll personally, Never watch this movie again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Goddamn. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's good to have an opinion. There you Absolutely. Go. Absolutely. All right, Nico, where are you laying on this one? <laughs> oh, you might should have picked somebody else because I don't really have much good to say about <laughs> it either. Uh, Takashi Miike, he's kind of a... He's directed a lot of movies. Uh, shout out to my guy, Horrible Reviews. From he used to be on YouTube, but he caught the band hammer, so he's on Vimeo now. I actually, I didn't, I've never seen Audition until this week, but I had heard of it because he'd put it in his most disturbing videos. He's broken down the films of Takashi Miike, which really helped me out a lot because watching this movie, the subtitles did take me out a little bit, even though I'm the only fellow Asian brother on this show. Shout out to Takashi Miike. I support you. I support you as an Asian filmmaker, but. I'm not Japanese. It was kind of hard keeping up with <laughs> reading the subtitles, read, you know, keeping up with what reading the subtitles at the end and trying to figure out what the hell is going on is very difficult to me. <laughs> but um, I will say that I, I do have a couple redeeming qualities at the end, which is decent. But uh, I, I really find the movie's too long. But that's that's my general thoughts for now. Saddle, you barrel chested guy. What you got? All right. All right, brother. So here's the thing. Do I like this movie? Not really, but this is my – so this week was my second time seeing this movie. I saw this movie uh, – oh, man, it's probably been seven, eight years now. And I remember liking it then, but I was – you got to remember, I was like soaking in every bit of horror that I possibly could at that time because I was – I had just became a huge fan of the genre. So anything I could get my hands on – I was going to, you know, I was going to do it and thank God for torrenting at that time. Now I don't do that, but at that time it was the easiest way to get a hold of something. And I downloaded this movie and I watched it and I remember even at that time thinking, man, this thing's long, <laughs> but, um, and it's still very long. It is a long watch. It, it, it is, um, I know, I see what it's going for and I like the plot. I, I think the plot is, is very, it's got social commentary tones. Like it, it comments on you know, role reversal within genders. And there's definitely, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of mental health issues in this movie. And I think it, it does a good job touching on that stuff. But the first two acts of this movie drag for me. Um, there, But there does come a point where it does kick up and I'm at least interested in what's going on. Um, so I, again, and I actually, Brian, I disagree with you for the first time in a long time. I think the cinematography in this movie is pretty good. Um, there's a couple spots where they jump back and forth between cuts that I'm not a huge fan of. But outside of that, I, I think the cinematography does well. And, 
you know, we're going to get into it a little more when we get to the last part of why why she's the way she is. But just in general, my like it's not something I want to rewatch that much. So I don't like it, but I don't I'm not completely negative on it. But I am completely negative on the first hour and about 15 minutes of this movie. So I'm not trying to say that I think that it's terrible cinematography because it's right. art, so that's up for interpretation. Right, but right. I just don't like it. I don't care right. for it. I don't, you know, at all. I'm not saying it's bad because, like I said, it's art and up for interpretation. So I, I mean, Brian, it was 1999, so cinematography is going to be a little bit different then versus now. Yeah. Oh. By the way, that's one of my notes is that it looks like it was shot in 1979, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, Crystal, what's uh, what's your general thoughts on it? So I had actually, I never, I, I knew of the film, but Japanese horror is something that I don't know. It's like a love-hate relationship for me. So my dad was um, in the Air Force. He's retired now. And I did live a portion of my life when I was younger in Japan. Um so I do respect um, the art of Japanese horror. Um, I, I do I like the way that you know the that American filmmakers have changed the you know like Ring and The Grudge. They're good, but the originals are better. Right. Um. So Japanese horror, but once again, Japanese horror is something I've always had a love hate relationship for. It's not my favorite. Um. But I did enjoy the film because I really feel like they tapped into something that is more mainstream now more than ever. And what I mean by that is this film immediately, as soon as he started looking at all the photos of all the different actresses, uh, it immediately triggered. This is a modern day online dating horror film because this has happened. You can go on Google right now and look up online dating gone wrong and you will find so many reddits and so many articles of of real life events that have happened over the years because people meet somebody offline they don't know anything about them they go on dates with them they fall in love with them or whatever they go on a date with them whatever happens and they turn out to be a completely different person and um I just I really feel like it's a film that was a little bit ahead of its time, considering the amount of things that are going on in the world with online dating now. Um, yes, the cinematography wasn't all that great. But the thing is, they were the, the skeleton of the film was able to tap into things that are more current and now more than ever. And I think that it really shows you that just with a good idea and um, you know, lighting and good acting, you're able to capture something that's extremely scary. Um, because like I said, this happens all the time. You can Google things out there. There's things that people have gotten themselves into horrible situations to where they have to now hide or they, they're murdered or they, they don't trust people. Um, and of course, in extreme cases where somebody is murdered or, you know, they're kidnapped, sex, tra sex trafficking, et cetera, whatever. Um, was the film, will I watch it again? No, but I respect the film as it is because I really feel, once again, it taps into, obviously she has horrible childhood trauma with her mother, her stepfather, et cetera. 
um, child abuse, uh, child neglect, things like that, and how it forms you into this person who she essentially becomes at the end. And I'm not saying that she did this, um, that this is like an out for her. This is not uh, what she did is wrong. Of course, you, you can't do what she did to someone just because you have childhood trauma, but it just shows you how, the system essentially failed her because right. she tried to tell someone and they didn't believe her and she was left in the situation. And now she is a product of her environment. And um, I, I noticed things about the film that they put her in white clothing the entire film. But as you can see, as she's going on these dates, she has very bright, vibrant jackets and even at the end when she's, you know, torturing him, she has a black um, covering on. So it's sort of showing that she was always this innocent girl, which the white represents. But then she has these parts of her personality that are just obscene and obscure and extreme, which is, I think is represented by the jackets that she's wearing. And I think when I watch a film like this, of course, I take it as it is. Um, but at the same time, I try to interpret it from, you know, the filmmaker's point of view. Like, what did they want to say to the to the viewer? Um, yes, it was a slow burn. Yes, it was. There were parts of it. But the whole time, I feel like I was intrigued by it. I wanted to see what would happen. Of course, they could have done a million different things different. But the skeleton of the film... I think is really good because you never know who you're going to meet. You don't know who this person is. You're going by your lust, your gut reaction. And even though he was told by everybody around him that they had an off feeling about this girl, he still pursued it, which I, once again, it goes into everything back to dating and especially online dating, because you could have your friends tell you eh, that guy or that girl, they're not really, <laughs> like I get a vibe about them and you say, oh, well, I really like them. So I'm going to take them away and I'm going to propose to them. Yes, there were a few parts. I was like, wait, where are they now? Oh, they're at another restaurant. OK, I wish mm -hmm. the transition would have been a little bit better. But I think the film, I understand why people like it. I understand why people don't like it. But I do understand why it has a cult following, because I really feel like people um, have delved a lot into the mental uh, of this film. Um, I think I, I, I'm glad that I watched it. Um, you know, I, I, and I also feel like a lot of people really hyped up the film and said like, oh, this is so disturbing and gory. Yes, it is. But unfortunately, as you watch it now in 2020, um, it, a lot of people, especially now, like they're just desensitized to that stuff. So it didn't really bother me as much as something else would right. bother me. Like, like if you watch a documentary on Netflix, it's going to be a thousand times scarier than right. this film. But of course, oh, without, in 19, a doubt. without yeah. a doubt, in 1999, of course, this is something that not a lot of people had seen. And that's something that I always say to people when they say, you know, especially if you have, you know, the younger generation, I have an example. I have friends who are in their early to mid 20s and they say, oh, I watched Halloween 1978. It wasn't that scary. And I say to them, um, but imagine it being 1978 and exactly. this is the first time you've ever seen something like this and how extremely scary it is. And I said, remember when Paranormal Activity came out and it yes. scared everybody 
And, you know, the friends will say, oh, yeah, that movie was so scary. And I said, because it was the first of its kind, of course, Blair Witch Project was too, but Paranormal Activity was the one that really catapulted found footage films, I feel. And I was like, that was the first time that audiences had seen something like that on a on a, on a grand scale. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch Project is one of my favorite films. But right. I said, yeah, take it back to 1999 right. when this film right. came out and mm-hmm. how disturbing that must have been. Um, but like I said, will I rewatch it? No. Um, I I think that I but I do think that the two main characters, I think that um, the you know, the the ballerina dancer, she was very creepy and she oh, was yeah. able to she was able to portray this like shell of this person that she wanted him to see. And then as soon as she found out, you know, she was like, you only can love me and no one else. And then she found out that, that, you know, that he obviously still loved his, his, his um, wife that passed and he has love for his son, even the love for the, for the dog. And she wanted all of it for herself. And I really feel like when you watch those, um documentaries or you know those shows about like why women kill it's more for um you know the passion behind it and the emotion behind it versus why men kill which is completely different um so i really feel like the filmmakers and the writers did did a good job showing that um you know not all women but some women can be crazy (laughs) (laughs) um and I really feel like, like I said, if this film was redone more, and it has been, this not that Audition was remade, but there are a lot of films out there that you can watch um, that show people using uh, dating apps and portraying themselves as one and then being a completely different Absolutely. person. I'm trying to remember the one film I watched that came out maybe like a year ago is on Netflix. Um, I'll try and see if I can remember it. But basically it was the same thing. He was on Tinder. He matched with this chick. And she was just a random chick. And then all of a sudden she went crazy. And um, it's actually a really good movie. Let me see if I can try and find it. Um, I, mean, but, I, feel like, I, feel like, I feel like that if Crystal would have written this movie, it would have been much more entertaining than what yeah. I, I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I, think if it, I think if they wanted to remake it, I think it would be. Yeah, a, yeah. I but would then agree again, with that. Like, you know, but then again, it's like, well, who is the person that's re- that's, you know, remaking right. the film? Is it a man? Is it a woman? How right. will they interpret it differently? Um, how will the gore change? But I think the skeleton of the film is really good because it's it's taking this girl who was emotionally, mentally, physically abused at a young age and how she turned out. Right. And then ultimately she died still not really realizing what she did was wrong. So and 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 I want to point out, I agree with. You know, when I said I like the plot of this movie, I was basically agreeing with you, like, on the fact that I like the I, – I like what they're going for. It just took – it took me forever to get to the – you know, to get to that point it, in my, you know, viewing experience anyways. So I like what they were going for. I like the plot. And like, you know, we just said, a remake may do it a little bit, you know, maybe yeah. condense it a little bit. Not too much. You don't want to mess with the art, but condense it maybe a little bit, still tell the same story, kind of, you know – you know, tighten up some bows there. So, but you know, yeah. still tell the same story with a modern touch. I think it would be really good. Yeah, exactly. So the film that I was actually talking about is called Bad Match. It's not the greatest film. The acting <laughs> isn't that great, 
But it's a really, but it's kind of takes the same thing. He meets a girl and then all of a sudden she just completely turns into this really psychotic person. And, um, I just, I, I did, like I said, I did like the film. I did, um, I'm not a fan of the whole subtitle reading, but I understand, um, you know, that that's what it is. Cause it's a, you know, it's an, it's a Japanese movie. So, right. um, that was a little distracting, but that's just, that comes with watching a foreign film is you got to read the subtitles. Right. Um, so that wasn't too distracting for me. Um, but overall, I, it's not my favorite, but it's not the worst I've ever seen. Right. Well, maybe you guys can help me out with the, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to jump all the way to the ending, but that was my biggest, my biggest, biggest problem is because I got through the whole hour and a half of this movie that I thought was, super boring and could have could have happened in probably 15 minutes honestly but uh, um and 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 there wasn't even as much character development as i would have liked but you know in that whole hour and a half but the ending to me was so damn confusing and i personally don't i did not go off and do more research on like what was you know what was the real what was the meaning of the ending what was the interpretation because to me right. like the movie should have told me that so i didn't really right. want to go and get you know do more into that but i yeah. I was honestly super confused at the end on whether this was the whole thing was a dream on, you know, on all of the speaking of that, on all of the dream sequences going flashing back. And, yeah, it told a little bit more of the story. But what is the real timeline? Where are we at? Like, is this is that how it was supposed to be interpreted? Like, did the whole thing really happen? Like you said, she died at the end. Did she die or was this whole thing a dream? Like what what was your interpretation on that? Or y'all's? Um. Well, they definitely left it open because I researched it. It was yeah. definitely open for interpretation. Yeah. Okay, so there wasn't a, hey, this is what it was supposed to be. Because, like I said, I didn't go do research on it because I feel like if I got to research your film, then you you had a – like, that was not probably the good thing. Yeah, I feel like um, I, I feel like the, the ending was – he almost sort of, because, you know, the loss of blood and the trauma – I feel like he sort of was going in and out of a dream sequence, sort right. of in and out of his mind. So I don't think in reality she was actually talking to him because I think that when she was pushed down the stairs, she immediately died. Right. Um, but if you want to delve into the of of the main character, he was sort of trying to find answers and trying to figure out things and i think that this was sort of his in and out sequence of understanding who she was and why she did the things that she did so that he could come to some kind of peace with it um i think basically what happened at the end was he came home after trying to look for her he had the drink she was obviously there and she you know roofied him and um he was going through all the memories that were in his head um and then on top of the trauma of being tortured um i think he came to a realization that she's just she was just literally a child who had trauma and that she um he was trying to make sense of what she was doing. So he went back in his memory and, and replayed the conversation that they had right. originally at, at dinner to try and sort of figure out what, why she was the way she was. Um, 
So I think that was sort of all in his mind towards the end. I think the obviously the real parts were when the son comes home. Um, I think I, it was a little confusing when he would go when they like brought us back to the to the hotel or wherever right, they were. Yeah, at right. the beach. That's where I started. I think, to lit, yeah. Yeah. Because you were like, where are we? What's actually going on? So that was a little weird because you're saying well, what just happened? Did this actually happen? But I think it was just his mind that was playing with him trying to get, because you know, when, if you, if you watch documentaries or anything, you find out that when people are in these, uh, you know, situations, they sort of numb themselves to what's going on and they put themselves into this dreamlike state to, um, try, well, your brain, your mind does it. Which is why some people, uh, when they go through traumatic events, they can't remember exactly what happened. Is because exactly. their mind is physically taking them out of the, or mentally taking them out of the physical situation. And I think that's kind of what was happening at the end. But it was a little confusing, um, which I was wasn't a fan of. I wish they had done that a little bit different. It's kind of like they accidentally like switched up a few of their scenes and were just like, yeah, we're just gonna leave it. <laughs> right. Right. So. I, w- I want to just jump back to kind of the beginning, Crystal, and I want to ask you a question after I give a point of view that I got, but I want to ask you a point of view on – I want to ask you from a female's perspective on something because I listen to a podcast, and I'll go ahead and give them a shout-out. Um, it's from the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. It's called Horror Queers. They reviewed this movie. Uh, this is my personal opinion from the beginning. You know, I really honestly like the scene at the beginning – where, you know, I honestly got sucked into, you know, him when he saw his wife die. Then his young son comes in and he, he right. sees his mom has died. I kind of got sucked in right there. Then, at the, you know, the, when it flashes seven years later, it shows the the son and the father fishing. And, you know, mm-hmm. I like to, I'm, I'm a fisherman, so I understood mm-hmm. what the dad meant by I don't go for just everybody. I only go for the big ones. I only go for the trophies. I understand yeah. that as a fisherman because – you know, whenever you go fishing, most of the time, you just want to catch the biggest ones you possibly can. You don't want to catch a bunch of small ones. So I, I did like that, but I interpreted that as, you know, because they were talking about, you know, dating and all that again, finding a woman. He's, you know, his son says he looks distraught and dispirited. And I kind of just took that as he wants to, you know, he doesn't want to just find a bunch of different women. He wants to find someone to love again. And I, I respected that. But the podcast I listened to, Crystal, they, they brought up that this movie – they, they kind of deemed it as a very sexist movie because, you know, Yoshikawa and him, you know, their their idea to get him a woman was to basically lie to these women that they're having a fake, you know, audition for a fake movie just for him to find a woman. Right. Uh, what what do you think about that? Do you kind of do you kind of feel like that's a little bit sexist kind of and there's that plot point, you know, where he had sex with his secretary, but he doesn't want nothing else to do with her after that. What, what are your thoughts on just that from a female's perspective? Um, I didn't really get that. I didn't get any vibes like that. Um, I feel like you could, you could do it the other way around. It could be two women who are trying to find a husband or one person trying to find a husband. You do audi- right. a fake audition. So I really feel like that's just how it was written. I don't think it was trying to portray it in any sexist way. Um, because like I said, you could do a role reversal and it would be the same thing. And I wouldn't feel that that was sexist. Um, I don't think, I think that's maybe more of a, um, maybe more of an, uh, a broader view of it. Um, 
and not so much, oh, well, you're manipulating these women into things. Because he he showed remorse. He said, I don't want to do this. I feel like a criminal. Um, if he hadn't said that, then I think maybe it would have been, I would have felt a little bit differently. But the whole time he was, he, he wanted a wife. He wanted somebody that he could spend time with and that had a story and that didn't rely on material things, um, which I find very redeeming quality um, in him because now his partner or whoever the um the pr- pr- producer that was with him yeah he was he was that was weird he right, was not right. he he was just like he was asking strange questions um but then if you look at it from like okay well it's a romance movie so i guess these questions are relevant um but they didn't pertain to to the to the main character um but like i said it's really how you view it i didn't I didn't interpret it that way at all. Like I said, you could do it with two two women who are who work at a production company and they're auditioning. That literally sounds like a Hallmark movie, of course, <laughs> but <laughs> but I feel like it's, you know, it's something that or like a rom-com or something. Like so I feel like I I didn't feel that way at all. I didn't think. I mean, and she called him out too. She was like she was like you did this as an audition to find your wife and he was like, "Yeah, I did." So I don't know. I just, I didn't see it that way. I didn't feel that at, at all. So, so I that's, my, that's my thought too. Cause I figured out from the very beginning, it was like a very rom-com feel to the very end last, maybe 20, 25 minutes of the movie was very rom-com ish. And then it mm-hmm. dived into like the sick part of it. Or did it mm-hmm. ever Ooh, well, it mm-hmm. completely flipped the gear? Well, well, to me, like it was to me, it was and I even took notes on it. It was more of a culture thing to me because, you know, even he even brings up one of the option being, oh, well, are you going to have an arranged marriage? So, you know, to me, like I didn't look at it. I mean, it is sexist in a way for sure. Um, I, And that's the way I took it, even though, you know, I'm not a female. I didn't, you know, but still like I felt like, yes, that was but that's like a culture thing. And also one of the big main bases is on why she was killing him saying, you know, you're just like every other guy, you know, nothing mattered to you except, you know, sex and everything else. So that's, that's the kind of way I interpreted it was more of a culture thing than a, you know, male, female sexist thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Right. So something I looked into after seeing it this time was, you know, I went back and kind of like read some of the subtitles because as you're taking notes, you miss things. And so I went back and I did a little research, and I think something they did try to get across, maybe not the sexism so much as it was the director was trying to make a point in the culture at the climate at that time that um, a lot of the culture around Japanese women skewed to younger. And so when you really read the subtitles of this movie, they it, it does deal with that issue about how, how a lot of – a lot of these men are going after girls that look like they're, you know, 16, 17, 18. And they get that across in the subtitles. I missed it upon actually watching it and taking notes. But when you go back, the director was definitely trying to make that statement that, that you know, these guys are perverse in that way where they're, you know, however old. And, and they picked her. One of the reasons that she gets picked is because of how young she looks. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, and also, it's also a culture thing, I right. mean, unless, unless I missed something because, you know, they went on two dates, unless I missed a time jump somewhere, they went on two dates and he was ready to propose. Like, that's just not something I would imagine would happen in normal. Right. 
you know. Yes, a, yes, it was definitely two dates. I kind of took that just as a maybe like a broken, desperate man who just was infatuated with a younger woman, maybe. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. which can be, I mean, understandable because I mean. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I've never been married, lost a wife or nothing, but I know you. You kind of have a different mindset whenever you know your heart's broken. You're thinking, you know, with a broken heart, not with a a full heart. I, I can understand that. Right. So I did lie. And plus, and plus she was what? naked whenever she was. She was like, <laughs> only love me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She was. I mean, you're gonna say whatever you need to say at that point. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so, sure, I love you. I don't, yeah, whatever. Let's do this. <laughs> right, right. That's a good point. So I did So I did lie at the beginning when I said this movie to me had no redeeming qualities. The only, I did, I did uh, relate, I guess, to one thing, and that was the whole father-son dynamic, um, especially, you know, because I was a, I was a single father for a little while. I mean, not anymore, but for a little while. And so that whole dynamic between me and son was, was you know, it actually hit home with me a little bit. Right. And actually, I think that would have bothered me. So I would have hated this movie so much more if she would have killed that son at the end. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was I was pissed when she killed the dog. But, oh, I mean, too. whatever. Me too. Yeah, I don't like how horror films do that. So why is Halloween your favorite then? <laughs> it's true. Oh, true. hey, 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 yeah, it's hey, true. Hey. I try not to think about those scenes too much. <laughs> I d- hey, Michael Myers is my favorite, but I do rag on him for killing it, uh, for killing animals. It's just unnecessary. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of, that's kind of how you start off as a serial killer, you know? You, animals first, then people. Well, sure. we dealt into that last week, but yeah. What one other character I like to talk about real quick? Who was actually kind of my favorite was uh, Yoshikawa, the fellow producer. Uh, <laughs> I kind of just enjoy. I just kind of enjoyed the fact that once he started getting these weird vibes of you know Asami, he's like, dude, you know, dude, this girl's crazy. Like, quit, like, quit chasing her. I kind of, I kind of respected that from him. <laughs> even though oh, yeah, he said, even though he said it all up, he's like, dude. uh Everything that we're checking on his resume is not checking out. It's like you need to just leave mm-hmm. her alone and just move on. I was I was one hundred percent on board with Yoshikawa in that regard. Yeah, but well, he's yeah. part of the wingman. He was part of the reason that it happened in the first place. Well, I mean, he he was trying to help his boy out, and then it kind of turned to shit, kind of like how most men's plan goes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, but that was that was one of the issues I had actually with the movie was that. You know, besides him doing the background check and checking and saying that stuff, you know, the comments he made about, oh, I'm getting a weird vibe from her, like that did not come across to me ever at all in any of the acting from uh, from her. Uh, what was her name? Asami. Um, I, I, I didn't to me, I did not get that. And, and I would have liked to have seen like, oh, like as an audience, being able to look at this girl and go, whoa, she's she's a little crazy. Like something's dark. Something's behind her. And that's just not what I got. I shouldn't to me. I shouldn't be told that from another character like you're supposed to think this audience like i wanted to see that actually from the performance well it kind of asami kind of i mean their roles aren't the same but it kind of made me think about esther from the orphan you uh she puts on she puts on like a good mask like of who she is not uh, of who she's not um because asami was perfectly kind of normal to you know shigaharu however you say his name but once you started doing like the research on her you're like, oh, uh, you know, the the record, uh, the the studio or whatever, it doesn't check out. 
and then you go to the bar. Oh, that doesn't check out. I mean, I I, I kind of got like a Esther from Orphan vibe. Just she puts on a good match, but you know something's something ain't adding up, right? Well, yeah, yeah but see, Esther like gives across that creepy vibe to me. Like you can look at her and her performance to me anyway, and go, wow. I mean, something's something's dark behind there, and I just didn't get this from her. Well, she yeah. put, well, Esther put on a good show for you know like the dad, but yeah. everyone else you know kind of saw something's not right with Esther. But you know we'll, we'll review that down the road. But Asami kind of put on the good to me. Right. Me. She put on the good you know the good mask for you know her man, but everyone else was kind of thinking some something ain't right. But that's, that was just my small interpretation of it. Hmm. I agree. I agree. Hmm. So uh, let's talk about the ending of the movie, because obviously that's the most dramatic of this whole this whole movie. The whole what hour and fifty five minutes. Fifty five minutes. Yeah, yeah it, was it a is long a long. So it, yeah. This whole movie boils down to the last thirty minutes of it. Let's talk about the last thirty minutes of this movie. How did the last thirty affect y'all versus the first hour and twenty? I actually really enjoyed it. Like I I I. Because when I want to watch a horror movie, that's what I want to watch. And this movie, for the first hour and a half, is more of like a a romance suspense thriller. Like there's some creepy vibes to it, but you know it's a little tame for what we've reviewed on this show, comparatively speaking. But the last 30 minutes, you get some really, you know, just from a film standpoint, maybe not plot, but from a film standpoint, you get some good gore. You get a really creepy killer. Uh, I think the acting there is really, really good by her and all involved, actually. And again, I mentioned I actually like the cinematography of that last 30 minutes outside of the jumping back and forth stuff that we see, which I don't really like that decision. But I think it ramps up and I think it's entertaining. Um, It definitely made me kind of sit up because and I think that's intentional by the director where the first however long of this movie, you're kind of lulled into feeling safe, lulled into feeling okay, and then, bam, they hit you with, holy shit, that, you know, this thing just turned up to a 20 from a 5 that it was already at. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining, and I like I, I liked the, like, I actually liked the finale. A little confusing, but I liked, I liked it. Definitely. The ending, to me, was really confusing. Like, when they were in the restaurant, He's looking at his old, like, right. his family, and she's right. there. Then it cuts to, you know, the wheelchair, you know, her ballet instructor, and you see her getting burned with the incense. Then she's killing him, and then it's back to the, the floor. It was kind of, it was very confusing to me. But, you know, we're all, you know, horror fans, slasher fans. I enjoyed seeing, you know, the needles. I enjoyed seeing the acupuncture part. I enjoyed right. seeing the wire around the ankles. Um, honestly, deeper, if I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the only medicine I could think of that she got or he inject got injected with is uh, tetrodotoxin, uh, the same thing that you know Gerard Butler used in Law Abiding Citizen on the guy he killed. Yeah. Uh, when you take when you get injected with tetrodotoxin, you can't move at all. So it all, it kind of took me out that. He was like convulsing and jumping up a little bit, but mm-hmm. it could be a, it could be a different medicine. I don't know. That's the only part that kind of took me out of it. But 
I, I enjoy the torture part. I mean, I'm not a tor- I'm not a diehard torture porn fan. You a lie. You love this, Saul. You're uh, a torture fan. Well, well, I don't consider Saul torture porn, so we'll debate that later. I don't know. Um, I was gonna say I love Saw and Hostel. So I was gonna say I don't see I, I don't Hostel see is torture Hostel is torture porn, but absolutely. <laughs> but I like Hostel. I right. thought the second one was so good. I actually first, love Hostel too. The first Hostel, one, uh, Hostel one and two are both good. The third one is is horrible. But <laughs> yeah, my my ending was I I enjoyed the ending. It was kind of reversed Halloween 2007 to me. I enjoyed the ending. Uh, what? Never mind. That's the exact same thing. Yeah, it was kind of the same as Halloween 07. I hated the beginning, enjoyed the ending. Brian, yeah. you got anything? Well, I mean, and I'm not a torture porn person at all, and I don't see Saw as yeah, torture me either. Porn to me. me. Like, that's more like Seven, which I don't see as torture porn either. So, like, you know, I, so I'm not a big fan of uh, – it didn't bother me, though, seeing this torture porn because, you know, just like Crystal said, like, I, you know, it may be – desensitized to it or whatever but i mean it didn't bother me i think that i would have enjoyed the ending a little bit more had all the stuff you were seeing him if it would have just been like flashbacks to fill in the story instead of the dude like jumping back in time like back and forth and him being aware that he was in different times you know so that to me like it was very confusing i would have been much more linear i guess and easier for my dumb ass maybe to understand if it would have just been flashbacks back and forth but um you know i mean i enjoyed the ending because something actually happened you know i for real the first hour and a half of this movie i was just i mean i enjoyed the father-son dynamic but that was you know for about two or three minutes and then the rest of it i was like what is going on in this movie It just to me was way too long I mean, it was stretched out. Stuff like the audition could have gone in like, you know, maybe uh, half the time that it took to actually really do that whole scene. It's one of those ones where me and Mike, we're always uh, talking about this, like the character development went way too long in this movie. Right. Way too long. And Drew, I do appreciate, and I don't know if, I think it was Brian that said it. I kind of disagree. There was some character development here, especially with her. You know, you get the scene with her ballet instructor, you know, and you get to find out her backstory. You find out she's, you know, you know, you find out who she really is. And there is character development development with both of these main characters, but it's so long. Like it's, it's out of just, place to me. Right, right. There's there's a lot of it, and it's almost like. The kind of horror that I enjoy, like, I like character development, just enough of it, though. Like, I, you know, like, uh, we've already mentioned, I like a bunch of teenagers out on a lake. Yeah. The whole <laughs> guy comes in and right. slashes their neck off. Like, I don't need so much character development. Like, I, I like some. That's why when I do Friday the 13th, my highest ones are ones that involve some actual decent characters. But this has, this takes so long to get there. So I do agree with you, Drew. It, it, it just dragged out for me. Hey, hey Crystal, mm. before you before you jump into it, I wanted to say one more thing about the ending. To me, the creepiest part of this movie was her waiting on the call, and then you just see that bag roll around. And oh, yeah. yes. Yes. And at the very end, you see the, the guy, you know, with one so missing gross. ear, no tongue, and the three missing yeah. fingers crawl oh. out. And, and, the, the pu- and the vomit. That, that, oh, that, vomit. Was, that was the creepiest part of the whole movie to me. I was fucking disgusted. I couldn't even look at the vomit part. I had to turn away. That, that, that disgusted that the shit out of me. I was like, no, yeah. I'm not going to watch this. Yeah, it was gross. I feel like it went from 
like a two to like a ten. As soon as she, as soon yeah. as you saw that she was throwing up in the bathroom and then she came out, um, that's kind of where you definitely start to see her true self come out because you're like, okay, she's she's insane. So the whole needle thing, um, I mean, it it wasn't disturbing to me, but like I said, it's probably just from the desensitization of of other horror films that have come out within the last ten years. Um, so I the ending, yeah, it was good. Um, like I said, I watched um I watched the first half of the film, and when it hit the fifty minute mark, I went and I you know did other things, and then I was like, okay, I need to make sure that when I come back, I'm prepared because I know this is where everything's gonna start to go crazy. Um, and I I actually was talking to my sister who watched this film, and she has uh, she can't do anything with eyes. So Ooh. as soon as she saw that he was that she was doing yeah. it to the eye, she immediately had to stop watching it. Um, and she hates the movie for that reason. Um, so I was sort of prepared, and of course I read the notes <laughs> that were sent. Um, so I was prepared for what was going to happen. Um, so I feel like maybe that took away from it but at the same time I prefer knowing exactly what's going to happen so that I can pay attention to the other things which I know a lot of people I feel like it's like a a, a 50 50 some people don't want to know anything everybody and then, then there's the other half who want to know like everything that's going to happen and that I'm that kind of person that wants to know <laughs> everything that's going to happen in a film before I go see it so that I can pay attention to the other things that the filmmakers might have snuck in there for people who might not have been paying attention or sort of stuck on like who done it kind of thing. Um so I think the ending um I liked that the son actually killed her um uh, because you definitely can see that the son came home um came to his dad's rescue um and was able to push her down the stairs um so i did i did like that there were certain things that were happening though that i was kind of confused on and i think it was more so uh the editing because it would flash back and forth to him having the needles in his stomach and then right. he wouldn't have them and then it would flash to things that were moved around but i think that's just the editing but unfortunately that kind of took away from the story because your mind is expecting to see, you know, needles in his stomach and then you come back and there's nothing there. There's not even any blood. Um, so, and then also same thing uh, that you were saying with the liquid, I was like, well, isn't he, she said that he's supposed to be paralyzed. How is he right. moving around? Like, um, how is he able to do these things? So then I was like, all right, well then what's that clear stuff. And then, so that kind of, like you said, took me out of it because I was like, well, what's well, I thought he was supposed to be paralyzed. Like, why is he still moving around? Um, it should have been more like uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in What Lies Beneath, how she was paralyzed in the tub and could only move her eyes. Like, I wanted more of that kind of thing. Right. Not right. really so much him, like, wiggling and moving his hands. But I know that, obviously, she didn't have a medical background. She probably had no idea how to actually administer drugs. So that's why I think maybe he was starting to get more feelings in his at least in his hands and his and his and his uh, face, but once again, still took you away from the film. And it, I think it would have been cooler to see him actually stay still paralyzed because I think that creeps you out even more. Because anybody who's getting their foot, you know, sawed off by a wire Ugh. is going to be moving around in pain. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I think that it would have been even scarier if he didn't move at all. And you kind of just see his eyes watering or like something like that. So I think, but I mean, that's all preference and that's all down to like acting and stuff like that. So, um, but I mean, the, I, my thing is, I always want to know, and this just might be me, I always want to know, like, what happens after these trauma events? Like, what happens to the teen? What happened to mm-hmm. Jessica Biel in right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre after she got the baby? You know what I mean? Did they oh, live I know. Life? You know, what happened in Wrong Turn when they got out of the forest? You know, did they just go to a hotel? Or did they get married? Did they part ways? Um, so I always want to know what happens at the end of a horror film is how do these people live with what's happened? And it's funny, we were just talking about Hostel because in Hostel 2, obviously you can see he is still very much paralyzed by the PTSD from the first movie. And you see that, you know, you see what happens in, in the beginning of the film. And I always wonder, like, even in this film, like, what happened after this? Is he now, is he still working at the production company? Uh, I think, in there, I think um, it showed that he was maybe it was his own company. Right. Um, you know, like did did he ever? I mean, he probably never dated again. But like, what happened? Like, what happened with the son? What happened with their? Did their relationship fall apart? Did it get stronger? But I know that that a lot of the times those questions are never really answered because you kind of just have to take it for what it is. But I always want to know like what happens after, and I've done that with a lot of my horror movie reviews on my podcast I always um try to brainstorm about like okay well they survived this now what are they gonna do like what's gonna happen to them now do they do they do they go to therapy like what happens so but so I would have I do like to see kind of what happens after something um but unfortunately sometimes it doesn't happen so I do wonder um what happened after the ending um like i what? love crystals oh. like me she turns she like i don't even know it's aaron but i call her jessica beale too i don't you know eric <laughs> yeah. saw too. Yeah. i call donnie Wahlberg. i don't ever call him by their real names so right right yeah, exact I same. Their names. <laughs> Can I, so i want to make two... the whole uh being just stuck there i had a vasectomy done in 2012 <laughs> and they pumped me straight with a pick line of value and literally the only thing i could move was my eyeballs yeah exactly. so wow. Wow. i don't know how they couldn't put that in that one yeah exactly that's what i'm saying like it would have been cooler just to see like his him act through just his eyes I have his, have the tears come down have him not really be able to make any kind of noise. I think that would have been better, especially because she said, like, you're not going to be able to move. Um, so exactly. I think that would have been better. So if they were to redo the movie, um, I feel like they they should do something with that, at least. I just want to touch on two things real quick uh, about what you said. Uh, one more cringe, cringe-worthy thing to me in that scene was when she injected him. It was in the tongue. I thought that was really, ooh, you know, that would have been horrible. Anything uh, with yeah. was, anything yeah. with face, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. like, oh, the tongue of all places. And I actually agree with you about the uh, Texas Chainsaw thing. We reviewed that movie, but the the question I was wondering is what happened to the the, the truck driver after you know sheriff is killed and they drive all i wondered what happened to that truck driver but you know that's a different movie but i i feel well, i like to know what happens to yeah at the end of it i agree with that like i, I 
I always wondered that myself. And that and and Sasha Chainsaw specifically, that whole franchise, you don't ever get answers to anything in that damn franchise. No. Every every sequel has a different fucking timeline to it. And yeah. so you're you're like you're always left wondering every time you watch a Texas Chainsaw movie. So that's yeah. specifically and Wrong Turn Two doesn't answer any questions. So I'm so oh glad God, you said that. Turns. It's so so freaking yeah. frustrating. I remember it turning is. on Wrong Two. I'm like, all right, we're gonna and nothing, not even a little bit. Oh my God, man. Mm-hmm. So damn frustrating. So yeah, I'm with you on that. I would have liked to know, like, I would like to know what happens to the father and son in this movie. Like, I'm I'm very very I'm very curious. Yeah, I always want to know what's going to happen, and it, it is annoying when you turn on a film and it's like, this has nothing to do what with what I'm happened. Not, and I really, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. on Elm Street, too. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, so it's like, it's, um, I was going to say something else, um, I can't remember, but I always, yeah, I've always been like, okay, well, can you just throw me a line here and tell me something about the old character? Show me a newspaper clipping, like right. murder. Was it like a murder-suicide thing for Wrong Turn? Like, something, anything would be better than just not saying anything at all. Like, and I think, I was going to say, I think that's why when you talk about horror films, I think that's why sometimes when it's like, when you, especially with all the remakes and the sequels, you're just like, and and it it happened to me in Halloween too. So when oh, they God. when they made so when they made the newest Halloween, the new the new 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 one that came right. out in 2018, they completely were like, oh no, they were never related. And then you're like, wait, was I wrong this whole time? It wasn't her brother. And and like I remember I went with a couple of my friends and they were like, wait, wasn't that supposed to be her brother? And I had to like question myself because it the everything changes, all the timelines, all the facts, everything. And you're like, wait, right. no. No, they were never. Yeah, they were related. They just, they just, you know. So that's why I think some, especially Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, we know the movie, but like, can you actually explain it? Uh, it's kind of hard. So like, you know what I mean? Like, remember all the facts and remember all the things that are going on because you're like, wait, there's been so many different changes and this and that and etc. And you're like, I, do, I'm a horror fan. Why don't I know this? <laughs> right. And, and, and there's only a few franchises that really do it well. Saw, as crazy as that storyline gets, at least it has continuity. And then you have Friday the 13th, again, not great, but there is continuity there until New Line takes over. Mm. Uh, uh, Until New Line takes over, they're at least keeping a pattern of, of, you know, showing you what happens in the prior movies so that the rest of this movie makes some sense. And then, and in the Chucky series, you know, I think Child's Play does it for the most part. You see... At least there's some semblance of a timeline. In Halloween, there's like five different timelines. Yeah. And Chainsaw Massacre, every movie has its own damn timeline, except yeah. for, except for the remake in 03 and and the beginning that came out a couple years later. Those are the like as far as I know, those are the only two that are really linked, except for the Leatherface remake, which was just a prequel to the very original film. Which I, that's another subject for another day. But there's so much yeah. not continuity in horror that it is frustrating. It, yeah, and, and I always well, like to kind of know. I would yeah, argue same, that I would yeah. argue that Nightmare has the yeah, best continuity probably of all of them. Just because yeah, even in two, it may not have anything to do with it, but it explains to you right. or tries to explain to you what happened to Nancy in the first one. Oh, that's that, true. She went crazy. The person that lived here before. So yeah, I, I and I loved Halloween's continuity. I mean, yeah, I could go on for thirty minutes about continuity movies. You know, how I am about that. But <laughs> the uh, I, I will definitely defend the Nightmare franchise for that. Right. Right, that's a good point. Yeah, and the whole, yeah, exactly, like, the whole prequel thing, like, 
paranormal activity was good but then it got so damn confusing because you're like you're like wait what i thought and then you're like what what's going on and i really feel like that those films were good but it's the same thing it's it's like they they try to explain it to you and you have to do your own research to actually figure out what's going on what's the time period because there's time in between when films come out and you're like what uh wait i have to go back and remember is this 1995 was it 1994 was it 1999 um so i think that's where a lot of films that's where it gets confusing because i understand that filmmakers and directors and you know product they they want to add stories but it just gets so confusing absolutely Mm-hmm. So we got to the part now, uh, Crystal, we rate our movies one to ten. We would say our favorite kill normally, but this is kind of a movie where we don't have that. So yeah. we're going to let you uh, – would you rather go first or would you rather go last in our ratings? Um, I'll go last. Okay. Okay, perfect. Go. All right, Mike, start us off. What you got, brother? Oh, well, we don't have a favorite kill, least favorite kill, so that's okay. Man, this rating was hard for me because I I didn't like the first however long in this movie, and then there is a part that I do enjoy. And so if I could just rate that little section, it'd be, you know, six and a half-ish area. But the rest of this movie weighs it down so much for me. And I I got about as much of enjoyment out of this movie as I did that first Hellraiser movie. And y'all know how much I didn't really enjoy that. So you kind of know where I'm at here. I hate you. I hate uh, you. Yeah, I know. Uh, so I'm going to give this movie a four a 4.5. Maybe I Nico, misunderstood it. I don't <laughs> Mike, don't feel bad because because <laughs> uh, actually talking about this movie kind of I bumped it up one point, but it's still not high. Uh, I'm just gonna read off my thoughts and I'll give you the number. I wrote down this is before I listened to the podcast that kind of gave me some other things to think about, but okay, I wrote it's completely too. I wrote completely boring. It's way too long. <laughs> I'm not Japanese, <laughs> so I didn't like reading subtitles, and I must have missed if there was some underlying message. There was. <laughs> God awful movie. I was confused a lot, not knowing what's going on. The torture scene was okay, but it's nothing compared to newer movies. And I gave it originally a two, but I bumped it up to a three as we talked about it. Where are you sitting at, Brian? Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, my favorite kill is Asami, and my worst favorite yeah. kill is dog. So I'm gonna go with that, even though. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, my favorite kill is the wheelchair guy was just getting his head cut off i did write that down oh I do yeah like that i did like that kill you're right it's a good point so so i mean i kind of said my feelings to begin with like i don't like this movie at all but i will say i will say the one positive thing to me that i took from it was the relation to the father-son dynamic like i said before look i mean i will never watch this movie again and i really really struggled honestly to get through this like if we weren't doing this movie for this podcast, I would not have watched the whole thing. Like I would have definitely turned this off after the thir- first 30 or 45 minutes. <laughs> so hey, um, I'm definitely going to rate this thing the lowest that I've ever rated any movie, oh, and I'm going to give it a one. Oh, <laughs> Brian, Brian broke it out with the one. Wow. The one. The get the fuck out of here one. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm 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 the same with Nico here. Like after going through it all, like this whole movie, I, it dragged the whole way through, and I'm like, how was this one of the top ten movie horror movies ever? Whatever. When you look it up on the internet, it's like, oh, this is one of the ones that you see it all the time. Which is why I kind of picked it so we could discuss it because I've never seen it. 
But going through the whole, the way it done it, it was just like the rom-com from the very beginning. Then it kind of morphed into something else and didn't really get to a horror part to the last 25 minutes. Right. I'm not going to spend an hour and 30 minutes in a movie just to get a 20-minute payoff. So I gave it a two, an awful. Uh-oh. She's, here we go. She cleared her throat. She cleared her throat. I like the difference. No, I like the difference. That's good. Um. So... I enjoyed the film. I did. I wouldn't watch it again just because I'm I I like to sort of watch films and do other things. Um like when I'm rewatching them. Like so I like to watch I don't know, you know, Friday the 13th when I'm washing the dishes and I don't have to actually look at the screen. I can just listen to what's going on. Um so obviously I'm not fluent in Japanese, so this is not going to be a film that I rewatch. But um I did like it because, as I said, it. I think it's a film that needs to be remade, um, even if it's remade by uh, Japanese. Um, right. You know, it doesn't have to be remade into an American version. I'm not saying, like, we do it the best. Um, but I really feel like um, the skeleton of the film is good. It's, it's making people aware that you have to trust the people that are around you you have to be weary of the lust versus love feelings um you have to really (laughs) investigate the people that you may not know much about especially because this woman sort of came out of nowhere um and he did do the investigation part but it wasn't until he had already fallen in love with her when he started the investigation process because he was trying to find her because he wanted to marry her um i think that it wasn't like i said it wasn't the best film i've ever seen but it is better than a lot of other horror out there because it's not just a film that is just going to lay out all the facts for you. It's going to make you think about it. It's going to make you want to do research. It's going to make you want to rewatch it and see like, what did I miss? What then? And I really feel like there were things that I picked up on that, you know, the writers were trying to, to, to portray, like I said, with the whole, she's always wearing white and how she wanted to come off as this, as this pure, innocent person. But then she had very vibrant jackets that she wore to sort of show you a clue that maybe there's something a little off about her. Um, and the, that this was a this was a choice by the creators of this film and i and i like films that make me think because i really feel like nowadays everything is kind of just thrown up at you on the screen and you don't actually get to think about a film anymore it's sort of like here's a b and c and then that's it and um I really liked I, I, I liked the simplicity of the film. I liked that it didn't have a million characters. Um, I liked that it was able to use small changes here and there in the lighting. When his wife was dying, you could just see the light was just on her face. And that's just takes, you know, no money at all to do those things. So I think the idea of the film is so good. Like I said, there were some editing issues and things like that that made it confusing. But... Overall, like it's it's not my favorite. It's not the greatest horror film of all time, but it's better. So that's why I think I'm going to give it a five. I think that it falls in between of being, I think that it had so much potential to be better. And I think that um, it's, it's, I wouldn't classify myself as, you know, a cult follower for this film or anything. Um, But it's, 
wasn't the worst. And I like that it made me think about it and made me go back and be like, and, and, and I really, I did like the ending of when they're both sort of laying on the floor of the house and they're looking at each other and they're having this connection, whatever you want to call it, um, <laughs> of them going back to the first conversation that they ever had when they're really trying to get to know each other. Because at the end of the day, humans have to interact with other humans. And I think that all he wanted was to have a partner in his life. And that's all he wanted. And he ended up getting, you know, a psych psycho killer. But it it brought you back. The conversation between them in the end that's redone, it brings it brought it back as a whole okay, the idea was that this this man was lonely. He he obviously lost his wife and he was still heartbroken, but he's trying to move on. Um so it's my interpretation of it. And I think that's why I enjoyed it more um, than, you know, somebody else might enjoy it. So because it made you think and horror, right. I really feel like a lot of films nowadays don't make you think about anything. They're kind of just like, whatever. Very, and then so very true. Very true. Yeah. So I think that's why I liked it um, maybe a little bit more. So. So, Crystal, uh, thank you so much for joining Absolutely. us. And uh, would you like to, to plug your uh, podcast and uh, your sure. app and Twitter and Instagram? Yeah, no problem. So you can find me pretty much on every horror, uh, every uh, platform at Horror Nights and Podcast. Um, Twitter is Horror Nights and Podcast. Instagram, Horror Nights and Podcast. I'm also on um, what's that other app that everybody always uses? Slasher. You can find me at Horror Nights and on there as well. Um, and on Tumblr at Horror Nights and Podcast, and also on YouTube at Horror Nights okay. and Podcast. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on. I thought the discussion was great, and it was kind of hard to do our normal format for this movie, our scene-by-scene -scene breakdown, yeah. and to kind of talk about it. But I like the way that this podcast went. Like, I think it was something mm -hmm. different and very, very interesting discussion. And we could talk about horror as a genre in general, and I, I love to do that all the time. So you are more than welcome to come back on any time. And if you if you really want, you're more than welcome to come back on and review Scream 2 with us because it's coming up soon. Yeah, let me know. Oh, I want to come on Lord. more, you guys. Usually I, I have to say this. I like guesting on podcasts. They're fun. Um, but definitely I want to come on more shows with you guys. I think that, I think it's cool that there's like four of you that do it and you guys all have different opinions on everything. So definitely schedule me in for more shows, please. Yeah, Absolutely. especially since John. me and you have a lot of the same opinions. I'm yeah, that sounds great. John, John and Mike are all <laughs> great. They're like, man, all this great. sounds just like me. Uh, yeah, yeah absolutely Brian yeah, and Mike need somebody else to tag team against me <laughs> oh also another question who was the guy in the bag did they ever say who that was it was her ex it was yep yep Correct. Oh, so okay I missed that I missed that okay alright that's all I was wondering yeah. I missed that part alright Nico roll us out brother alright uh that that went a lot better than I thought it would in my mind. Can't can't lie. <laughs> Crystal, honestly, I really really enjoyed your point of view. Um, you you made this show tonight. You were you were awesome. Uh, you you, you want you're the, you're the you're the best final girl we've ever. Uh, you might make my list for the best final girl ever. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. That's such a that's 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 a lot. I have no words. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's no, awesome. Thank you. I think we can all agree. You you were awesome. Yeah. You you. You brought your A. Show. Absolutely. You, you brought your A game tonight, and it was it was very very nice, very refreshing. 
make sure everyone go check out her show, show her love, follow her on social media. And, uh, yeah, that was fun uh, talking about Audition, even though the movie was terrible. Hey. <laughs> I, I, I do want to still debate you about that Halloween stuff, though, down the road. <laughs> Let's go ahead. I'm ready. Hey, don't forget to plug our own stuff while you're at it there, Chin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He just did. He said follow her on social media. Oh, he said follow her. Yeah, now plug yeah her. Mike, listen listen to what he says. I just did. <laughs> Mike, Mike and Drew arguing like always. Follow follow us on Love social you, Mike. as well. Love you, too. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Don't Go Out There. And, and rate us five stars on iTunes. We really appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good night. Good night. Bye. Good. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there.